0: The feeling is indescribable. She's staring over a putt, and it's almost like the path to the hole is illuminated. There's a strange feeling that it's going in. And we can't even describe what that feel is. So she rolls the putt, and it's like predetermined in her mind. Like she just knows without a doubt unequivocally that this thing is going in. Hits it and almost starts walking after it as it's halfway to the hole to see it drop perfectly. Perfect speed, perfect make right in the center of the cup. She's off to the next hole and people are just kind of whispering around her like, man, she's in the zone, she's killing it. So she gets up in the next tee, she has this whole swagger about how she's walking. And again, when she's up there in practice swinging, it's like things are almost slowed down. Like time is slowing down. So aware of what the club is doing. And again, just this feeling of like knowing exactly where the ball is gonna go off the face. So she swings, head as clear as ever, and just confident as ever, and just blasts. Perfect shot after perfect shot. Again, walking and feeling so comfortable and so calm. Again, stares down another wedge on a par five. And again it's just like this path everything just keeps getting illuminated bigger and bigger like she just can see this like direct path to everything she wants to go like never have thought so clearly in her life and she finishes her round as personal best ever and she kind of describes this man i was just in the zone like i just knew what was gonna happen i felt it and the truth is is like a lot of players have been there so her next tournament she gets out there and she's kind of going through the same motions. And she's trying to recapture those feels, but it's different now. And she's like trying to think more and more about the feelings that she had and almost trying to force those feelings that she had. And it turns out after a little bit of a struggle that this round was considerably kind of worse than the last one where she was in that zone. So in this episode, we're going to talk about like that zone, what that really is, and how we can get in there more often, because truthfully, a lot of players experience it on accident. So in this episode, we're going to go over everything about the zone and how you can access it more often. That's coming up right now. Welcome to the Go Low Show, where it's about golf, grit, and your pursuit of greatness. My name is Kyle Aldrink and I am your co-host, along with my man, John Weir, mental game coach extraordinaire. And in this podcast, we're going to show you everything that you need to know about how to go low in your golf game. And we're excited to bring you that show right now.
1: Expect anything different? Is it his time? Yes! seen anything like that well here it comes
0: all right it's time to go all right so john i've been really waiting for this episode because this is such a topic that's thrown around a lot and i truly believe that not a lot of people understand it um or understand why it's so important so in this episode we are talking about the zone and what that really means for players. And, you know, I really want to get everything I can get from you on this because this is definitely your world and what's going on uh, mentally, physically, but with such a deep topic and subject as the zone, like where do we even begin to approach like understanding this?
1: Sure. Yeah, it is a a deep subject, but we're going to really dive into it today and, and get a great understanding of things. And the starting point to really understanding the zone state or this mysterious peak performance state is really making a critical distinction between your brain and your mind. So there is a difference. A lot of people kind of think it's the same term and people throw it around, but the brain is actually the tangible physical organ found between your ears. It's essentially the universal, right? It's the thing shared among all human beings. If you cut open our scalp, you'd all find a brain in there functioning. You can poke it. You can touch it. It's the tangible organ. And if you look at modern research into the zone, this has been what their main focus has been. What is the brain doing while an athlete is performing in the peak performance state or the zone? The mind, on the other hand, is the intangible aspects of human consciousness, so there's no central location, you can't cut it open and find it, you can't locate it in somebody's body, but we know it's there, it's influencing our thoughts, it's influencing our emotions and our actions, and the mind is actually the thing that is directing the brain. So if you look at like a teacher-student relationship, the mind is the teacher and the brain is the student following along. So what's important to understand about your mind though is is that there are three distinct levels. The first is the conscious mind. We have the subconscious mind and the unconscious. So your conscious mind briefly and in a nutshell is what you're using right now. It's the small 7 to 10% that experts talk about. It's the analytical part of your mind. That's basic job is to judge and evaluate a lot of the things going on in our experience. Right? Do I like this? Don't I like it? Was that a good shot? Was it a bad shot? And it's that analytical faculty of mind. It's also the part, as we talked in other episodes, that was in control of your self-talk and your internal dialogue. It's kind of the now experience or the screen on the computer. Now, your subconscious mind is like your hard drive. It contains things inside of you like your self-image or your composite of who you believe yourself to be. It contains your habits, your long-term memories, belief systems, and the other part of our mind up until now, little has been known about it. It's the unconscious mind. But we're unraveling a lot of it. This has especially been a lot of our our research has been devoted to understanding the unconscious and its role in performance. And your unconscious mind, if you look at what its job is, it's responsible for things like running your body, right? Like making your heart beat and all these different systems going on in the organs. Thank God we didn't have to think about that all day or we wouldn't even be able to get out of bed. It would be just too much going on. (laughs) Right. And the other thing that we want to know about the unconscious mind is it contains your innate personality or your hardwired personality preferences. And believe it or not, your personality actually holds the link to really understanding your specific zone. So these innate aspects of your personality are hardwired into the unconscious mind, and it's like your handedness. They're predetermined strength and stressors that come from birth like your handedness. So like I was born right-handed. I never consciously selected that. Somewhere along the line, when I was born, this box in my mind got checked and I'm dominant right hand. And I can certainly use my left, but it's definitely inferior. And mentally, believe it or not, we have these wired preferences and different ways that we do things that are like our handedness. And understanding this is is really some of the ways that we can start keying in a little more on the zone. So just to kind of wrap up this brief little uh, discussion here, the brain tangible aspects, it's doing one thing. It's the student following the directive of the mind, the mind, the intangible aspect of our consciousness. It has a couple different levels, but it's the part that's basically running the show.
0: Okay. So, you know, I look at that, like, you know, that's the technical, you know, what's going on in the brain, the mind, the difference, that's good. So, I mean, getting deeper into this, then what is what is the zone and why does that help players so much? Like, why do we want to be there?
1: Yeah. So now coming back to the zone, what is the zone? It's a state that has two parts and it's of equal importance. So the zone has both a universal aspect and it has a subjective aspect. So, from a brain perspective and a universal aspect, when a player is experiencing the peak performance state, their brain is operating in alpha rhythms or alpha brain waves. And these are 8 to 12 hertz on an EEG is the way they're measured. And it's a nice relaxed rhythm. It's kind of like when uh, everyday states of alpha rhythms would be like strolling in a park and enjoying a garden on a Saturday or driving your car somewhere really familiar and you get there you're like oh my gosh I don't even remember driving right like it's an on autopilot and something done that we didn't have to really think about so the alpha rhythms is the universal that's what the brain's doing in every athlete when they're in the zone but what they don't tell us in the research is how do you actually get into that state so the the side of, that makes the zone so elusive is the mind's aspect. And from the mind perspective, the zone is you learning to be your best self or essentially staying out of stress. So what's your best self that's being consistent with your personality, your innate hardwiring, essentially saying like, I'm a righty, so I'm going to go play this sport as a right-handed player. Without knowing it, a lot of people are going out and performing in stress by using functions of their mind they're really not designed to do. So the killer of the zone is stress. So to tie it in together, universally, everybody's experiencing alpha rhythms. That's the relaxed state. But what the mind's doing to get there is subjective and unique to individuals. And to kind of look at it like, what stresses me out on the golf course is going to be different than you, Kyle. So you really kind of learning and understanding those aspects of yourself is the key to getting into that relaxed rhythm.
0: Yeah, that that's interesting. So like the car example is really interesting to me because there's been times where, you know, you'll take a few turns, you'll get somewhere. And it's almost like, holy crap, how did I get here? Like we forget. But, you know, being from, I mean, you don't understand this, but I'm from Michigan and I live in Illinois. Like there's times where the road conditions get really bad. So the same drive where I might've been in the zone and not even knowing how the heck I got there, but all of a sudden the road gets really slippery. I can remember every little bit of that because I'm stressed out, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's dangerous, right? So that's a whole different thing. Like I'll never forget those turns because (laughs) those turns, I mean, if you're not careful could mean like a bad wreck and injury and there's going to be fear behind that. So, I think that's a good way to look at that, like you're talking about with the stress, is that, you know, if you're stressed out, then you're going to have a really hard time, you know, doing that. And, you know, the other part of that, too, is I remember times from my playing career where I've been there and I have no idea why, I just showed up one day and just like I can remember the feeling of the hole being bigger. And, you know, just swinging and having no fear because I knew where the ball was going to go, but I could never really replicate that. And I've talked to players and coach players that do the same thing. They go out and have these breakthrough rounds, and they're just like, I don't know what the heck happened. You know, it's the same thing. Almost like you finished the rounds, like what just happened?
1: Right. Sure. And and that's what the focus of our research has been over the last seven years. And we're ready to go public soon with it. It hasn't launched officially yet, but we're putting out a program called Mental Golf Type. And mental golf type really exclusively looks at these subjective aspects. Now, if you look at like this subjective thing, like why did it happen and, and how do I repeat it? Well, from the brain perspective, we know we need to get into a relaxed state, but in order to get into that relaxed state, you have to know what your strengths are and you also know specifically what your stressors are. And believe it or not, we're not that different. The unconscious mind reveals the human template. We're just kind of determining what template or what handedness essentially is your strengths and your dominant facet. So if you learn to start building your game plan and you start learning to build your mental game around your dominant strengths and you start learning to know like these different things that I'm doing are indicating stress, we can repeat our zone state a lot more often. The key is, is what stresses you out may be different than me. So it's important that you get in touch with these individual aspects. And this is where the current research misses. They look at us like we're all one or trying to approach the zone as a one size fits all phenomena. And while it's true at the brain level, right, we have zone, relaxed state of awareness. And we also have the killer of zone, stress. Okay, because we have the cortisol releases coming out. It's going to shut down your motor cortex. Your performance won't be there. But the key that they, they don't key us in on is those individual aspects that's related to you. So we've talked a lot of in these shows about defining things, defining the type of player you want to be and how we're performing. It's important to define those things that you know stress you, things that we want to avoid, things that are going to take us out of those relaxed states. And we want to start looking at those individual aspects of your game that you know and start building around those tendencies so that we can, we can shift and find appropriate plans to succeed. And this is going to help you to stay into that relaxed state of mind. And the more you can learn yourself, the more you get in tune with who you are and how you're wired and what your personality is, the more often you're going to go out and be able to repeat that zone experience.
0: Right. So, you know, a good example of, you know, an individual difference is, you know, introverts or extroverts. Um, You know, some people are really chatty and some people are not. They don't they don't want to talk and they want to be kind of by themselves you know, you look at these two different types of players and you take a chatty player and they're playing in a group with people who do not talk. You know, that kind of stresses them out because they're forced to be very internal. Where vice versa, if you take these introverts that don't like to talk, and you start making them talk, that stresses them out, right? Because that's not their comfort zone. That's not where they live and that's not where they spend their mental energy. So that's just like one example of understanding yourself. If you're chatty and you're in your own head, you're more than likely probably stressed out. So like just understanding that you need to be out there and chatting it up or singing songs to yourself if your group doesn't talk keeps you into a happier mode and into a better performance mode, right?
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, the first facet, if you really want to look at it, or the easiest thing to look at is the extrovert and introverted, right? We have all the facets inside of us. So every inside of us is an extrovert and an introvert, but one's dominant, like your right or left hand. So if you're a dominant extroverted player, 100%, your brain actually works better when you're talking. So again, this is one of those individual differences that will take you to that relaxed zone state. So if you're not talking, your brain is obviously not relaxed. So you're experiencing some level of the stress spectrum. So like, okay, you don't have a chatty group that you're with. Talk through your decisions to yourself. Create like a virtual caddy. This is one way of learning to game plan around your brain and or your mind and how it's influencing your brain right? And if you're too quiet, that's an observable sign of stress for an extroverted player. I mean, let's look on tour. You can look at Phil Mickelson. I mean, outstanding example of an extroverted player. When he is clicking, Phil is bobbing around the course. He is talking. He is high-fiving people, shaking the military's hands, waving to people. I mean, he's as, as gregarious and outgoing and extroverted as it comes. But it's interesting, you'll tell when he's stressed, Because his head's going to come down, he's going to get quiet, he's going to get self-contained. And when he's walking around and trying to perform in that, his brain's releasing stress. And he might not even be aware of it. If he's listening to this, I hope this helps him out. He could break out of that stress simply by talking again, even about anything. Because that's going to activate in him that individual aspect to get his brain functioning better and bring a lot more relaxation. If you look at Tiger, I mean, Tiger's obviously your classic introvert. I mean, I saw him at Oakmont, I believe it was in 2009. I followed him all through. And I mean, his, he was in his own. I mean, his head was down. He was walking. He was self-contained. And that's exactly what an introverted player is going to do. They're going to come across a little more reserved and a little more kind of cool confidence. And what do you see whenever he gets stressed? You see him do the opposite. He gets a lot more extroverted, a lot more expressive. Right. And when he is in that state, you're going to see a decline in his performance. So this is the stuff. These are kind of like hinting on some of the things that what the modern research doesn't key you in on, like those differences right there. So if we take those two players and we try to coach them both to be extroverted, we're going to have one succeed and one fail. Right. And then Mm -hmm. that person who failed, let's say, who's the introvert, They may take on poor self-esteem or think something's wrong with them because they're not able to perform that way, right? And they're inadvertently taking it on rather than them addressing what their strength is and understanding what they do great and applying that. That's, That's what I was saying in the beginning as the best self. The real aspect to the zone is very subjective. It's you learning you. And the better you can be yourself, the more relaxed we are, the more things flow, the more the universe kind of takes over as, as you expressed it before in another episode. And so these are some of those little differences that you want to start keying in on in yourself, even understanding your stress. So what you play a stressed out round of golf, you learning what those signs are, what those tendencies are. It's so valuable because like a swing, you do the same things all the time. Your mind is using the same function and the same approach all the time when you're at your best and when you're in your stress state. And as you key in on those types of things and those commonalities and those functions, you can make shifts and change your performance and make this zone literally become a habit. And I know it sounds like wishful thinking, but we've applied this now and, and from tour down to junior level. I've won two national championships with a team. We've won conference championships, coaching all these teams from individual bases, taking players all the way through Q school, wins at the highest levels of the juniors and collegiate levels. Uh, it's been pretty extraordinary. And we're understanding how the mind is operating in these relaxed states, but catering it to the players' individual needs. And that is the aspect of the ticket to get you to the zone.
0: Yeah. And I look at that just as my own experience as a player. And, um, you know, when I was young, especially and didn't understand this stuff, you know, you copied Tiger and whatever you did because Tiger was the man. Right. So Tiger, you know, like you said, is an introverted person by nature. Like he's had to over time talk more, but he's very introverted. He likes to be alone. And, you know, but he had that like just intense focus. That's good for, you know, like that stare and, um, you know, just quiet. And like, that's how everybody thought they needed to be. And that was very harmful for me. So, like, I remember a lot of events where, like, I had a group I really enjoyed playing with. We chatted. We had a lot of common. And, you know, those events where I was chatting and having fun were the ones I always played my best in, no doubt. But it's like, it's interesting, too, because like you said, when Tiger lashes out, like, you know, as an introvert, they'll lash out when they're stressed, but you know, it's opposite. Like somebody who's expressive like me or, uh, extroverted who likes to talk, obviously. Um, like when I'm upset or stressed, like I get quiet and it's like when someone like me gets quiet. It's like, you know, look out <laughs> because we're pissed. Um, and I know like people like me and, and extroverted people know exactly what I'm talking about, but it's like, that's the kind of thing where somebody might think, man, they're really focusing. We're no, we're like, we're imploding is what's happening. Like we're in there just stewing, versus just being able to chat, smile, relax, uh, get rid of that stress, and be able to and, and be able to play. And you know, tying all of our stuff together is just like again, when you have what you do defined, and you and you have the confidence in your emotion and you have your process defined, and then you also start to understand how you're keeping yourself out of stress when you play. Like that's a powerful system to have. And that's a powerful system that you need to be practicing too, because the more you understand that and practice that, um, the easier it's going to be to do and perform on the golf course. And that is really like a recipe for just mastery. Don't you think?
1: A hundred percent. But you, like you keyed in on it, you really got to know what you do well and, and focus on that. You know, and I think that's some of the limitations when people come across or read a, a sports psych book, Right. Some people say, well, you know, I tried this stuff, John, it doesn't work. Or, you know, I read this book and, you know, I, I had marginal success. And, and it's because a lot of the books are written from that universal perspective. They're trying to fit everybody into a one size fits all or a, they'll take their best player, right? And they'll try to model everybody around that player's mindset. And this could have sometimes disastrous results. I mean, when I first started getting into it, uh, one of the players I worked with was a, a prolific player. I mean, he just missed tour back in the old system by two shots, and then he found himself just kind of grinding on the mini tour, but it was only making three cuts in three years out of like 36 events. And this kid was a, a All-American, great performer, and he went there and, and got some advice from a psychologist who took his stress or his underdeveloped function and said, well, hey, I hear this a lot of these negative projections. Why don't you turn it into a positive? Right? It was a a well-intended advice. Yet that was working against him. It was like taking the extrovert and saying, hey, just be quiet. And he didn't make a cut, like three cuts in 36 events. After him starting to change the way he was approaching it and understanding a little more of himself, he had his first professional win within four months. And so it's important that we start really catering our understanding around you individually. Everybody's wired slightly different. What stresses you out is going to be slightly different than what stresses me out. So we got to look at some of these psych books and things that are trying to put it into this one size fits all paradigm and understand it just may not be a match for your wiring. And in fact, trying to implement it may not even work well for you. So you kind of want to make it, take it a lot more into the specifics and find people that model more of your personality, right? Like if you're a really happy-go-lucky type of guy, find a tour pro whose mindset matches that. Try to dive more into their profile, into their types of ways of doing things. If you're a more serious player like Tiger or like a Jack Nicklaus, and you may want to approach the game that way. If you're real regimented, you may want to dive into how like Justin Rose and things are getting things done. Find a tour player that matches you and capitalize on your strengths. And then also, I can't stress enough, your understanding of your stressors is so valuable. Awareness is the starting point to change. So as you become aware of some of your common tendencies of stress, like Kyle was saying, hey, I noticed I got real quiet. Well, if you notice that, that stress, what that means to you as a player means your your motor cortex is going to be starting to get inhibited. We have to now address that. Understanding that key aspect for him is going to help him to perform better in the future because it comes up. Now we can address it. So open your eyes and be willing to grow and even dive into your stresses because understanding that is the starting point to be able to make a shift.
0: Man, that's awesome, John. And you know, it's, you know, when you say that you can't model everybody the same mentally, well, it's, it's really the same at what technique. And that's where a lot of players can get in trouble too. And that was what it was before we had a lot of these measuring devices like track band and things is, you know, here's how Tiger swings. He's the best in the world. Will everybody match that? everybody can't match that not everybody turns the same everybody's got the same mobility like and so it's the same thing like you can't really model a swing you can't really model a mentality like every time when you can create your uniqueness that is so big but you know this was a really powerful episode and you know this is gonna lead us into really getting into some deep stuff and and how to do all this and and how players can really create these individual tendencies for themselves and understand that right?
1: Yeah, 100%. And and essentially, it's kind of understanding the biomechanics of your own mind. The cool thing is, is there's a template. And the tendencies that you have are hardwired in, like I'm never going to be a lefty, I'm always going to be a righty my whole life. So as you start understanding your wiring, it gives you that leverage to be able to go and make your zone a consistency. Because again, what's going to stop the zone? Stress you understanding your specific ways that you experience stress and how to shift it it's the easiest way to perform in the zone more and start getting more out of your game consistently so again yeah we don't want to model everybody's behavior we want to kind of find who we can model based on kind of like our generalities or commonalities that we see and not one way is better than the other what the best way is is your way and understanding what you need to do and as you do that, you're going to find yourself relaxed more on the golf course. You're going to find yourself making a lot bigger games.
0: Man, John, that is some awesome stuff. And like, I'm really excited because this is opening the door for a whole other level of episodes that we're going to be bringing you soon really diving into the details of your heart wiring and what you need to know about that. And there's going to be some things that are going to probably shake the universe for you. So you're going to really want to tune in over these next few weeks as we drop these episodes about personality and how you should operate on the course. So until then, keep improving, keep getting better. Um, Again, follow us on Instagram because we're putting content up there every week to help you out on top of these episodes. uh, Check out the go low show.com. Uh, submit any questions you have there or we ask for questions weekly on Instagram but again we want to thank you for listening for the great reviews Um, we appreciate all of you so until the next episode uh, keep getting better we'll see you soon